Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, The Messengers. Good afternoon, everyone. You got me again. That's why we have few people here today. Just kidding, just kidding. Talking about the weather a while ago, it sure is different, you know. Uh, very cold these past couple of days, and now you've got sun, it's going to get warmer and warmer, and then going to be what 63 degrees you know that you stick around Oklahoma Sean and <laughs> eventually you get used to it cold one day hot the next rain snow whatever we know that there is a spirit world that there are unseen beings who are higher in intelligence than all of mankind put together for throughout the ages even. They're called angels. In Strong's reference number uh, 4397, uh, they, th this word uh, is pronounced Moloch. It's from an unused root meaning to dispatch as a deputy, therefore a, a messenger uh, specifically of God. It could also you know, mean an angel or a prophet or a priest or a teacher. In the New Testament, they are also defined as messengers, messengers of God. And there it is pronounced angelos. In Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I think we can safely look at ourselves as heirs of salvation as long as we hold to the doctrines of Jesus and to do those things that are pleasing in God's sight and to do, do the will of God. But they are ministering spirits, ministers, servants. The word spirit is taken from the Greek word pneuma, which means a current, a current of air, like a breath, a blast, or a breeze. Now, we don't see air. But we do see its effect, and, and, and we feel it. We know it's there. But the air is loaded with very powerful elements that we don't see. And we can see, you know, we can feel its strength, say, like in a storm. But angels, as spirits, as pneuma, they possess supernatural power and influence in this physical world in which we live. In the book of Ephesians, Chapter 6, uh, verse 10, it says, Finally, uh, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So there's a lot of things that God has that he does that he shows us that shows the power of his might. And that we are to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. So we know that there are good messengers. There are bad messengers. There are those who are obedient to God. And there are those who have fallen in their duty, in their service to God. And it says in verse 12, 
sometimes when we you know, go along in life and we wonder about well, what things are happening in this world, how do we adjust to, to them, what do we think about them. It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Knowing that these things are there, there are these supernatural things that are happening, these influences that are in the world. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In the evil day and having done all to stand. And we do this by verse 14 to uh, have your loins girt about with truth. Truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking the shield of faith and so on. Now we may not think about these angels or these messengers very much in, you know, in our life. But uh, we have this caution that we uh, tell ourselves about against the worshiping of angels or being obsessed by their existence or looking for them in every corner of our society. But they are mentioned numerous times throughout the Bible through the word of God in both the Old and the New Testament from Genesis to Revelation. So the presence of angels or messengers in our world, it may sound mysterious and incredible to some, but God who created the angels, he lets us know through his word through his inspired word that they exist. So they have a reason for being. They have a purpose, a God-given purpose in this life. They are sent forth by God to minister for them who shall be heirs of, of salvation. So we are to know and we are to be aware of these messengers, these holy beings that were created by God that they exist and to be also careful who we meet who we encounter in our life in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 it says to let brotherly love continue be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares so in the context of love for one another do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have hosted angels without knowing it. So, to be careful to treat one another with respect. And to keep love foremost and to remain guided by it. We're to be careful in how we interact with strangers. Because they could be God's messengers. Is there... An angel in your life? Is there a God send in your life? We can apply that uh, term angel as being very kind hearted, as loving, of, of loyal, and we can apply that to you know, our mates or to our parents. So, is there an angel in your life? In Job chapter 38, verse 7, the angels were there when all things were created by God. In verse 1, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he said, who is this that darkens counsel? Who darkens my counsel? 
he was saying to Job, by words and without knowledge. Gird up your loins like a man, he said to Job. Brace yourself, he said to Job, for I will demand of you and answer you me. I'm going to question you and you give me your answer. So Job was being humbled by God who was showing him how much Job really, really didn't know all the things concerning the earth and the heavens and, and, all the, and everything and how they came to be. And he says to Job in verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you understand. Tell me if you know. And who has laid the measures thereof? If you know. And when you think about the measures of the universe, you're looking at a, a measure of distance that you know, spans millions or billions of years, light years. Who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? So we see how the earth, how the universe, how all those things that were created by God, that, you know, right now we really don't comprehend everything there is to know about these things, even as Job. You know, some of these questions that were asked, well, you know, uh, when, when uh, we're in the kingdom, those things we'll be able to see. Just like in videos today, we see things about space or things about how things were created and it kind of gives you an idea. Perhaps there'll be some sort of video or, you know, uh, uh, some reality thing that we'll be able to see how God put together things. And then he says in verse 7, who after he said, who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, you know, that is the angels, when they shouted for joy. This word joy is pronounced ruah. You know, you might think of uh, cheerleaders going hurrah or something of that sort. Ruha, joy. It's a primitive root. And it means figuratively to split the ears with sound. That is a shout of joy or triumph. They also, it says, the morning stars sang together. According to Strong's definition, they, a, they emitted a stridulous sound. I didn't know what stridulous mean, meant, so I looked that up. It means a grating or chirping sound as certain insects. So I thought of the sound of, uh, of locusts. You know how in the summertime they have this ebb and flow of noise, but they're all together out there in the trees and uh, that was the only thing that I could think of. Of course, you, you might apply crickets or something because they chirp. And, but, these, but there was this group of angels that sang together with a noise, with, with a sound. So these morning stars, and this is in the sense of blazing or shining as stars do in, 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 uh, at dawn. They were there at creation. They were there at the beginning before the earth became without form. Uh, and void and when uh, darkness was upon the face of the deep and they sounded with joy so these sons of God had emotion they, they could express emotion shouting for joy when the heavens and the earth were created so have you ever shouted for joy have you ever felt joy sure you have and if you've ever watched you know the price is right you get the idea of the way some people shout for joy. 
I'd probably do the same thing, you know. And it's, it's, they're, they're a lively show. You remember over in the book of Luke where Luke said, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And the Greek word for joy in this verse is kara. And it means cheerfulness and calm delight. Calm delight. So these beings possess emotions. They possess intelligence. They possess strength. They are obedient unto God and they are holy beings. But they are also capable of falling from their created state and losing control of their emotions. So we know that there are good and that there are bad angels. In Psalm 103, in verse 20, it says that God gave the angels strength to do his will. Verse 20, bless the Lord, you his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So how many angels are there? Well, just suffice it to say that there are just too many to be counted. In Hebrews 12, verse 22, it says that we are come unto the Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly J Jerusalem, and to an, an innumerable company of angels. The countless body or a company of angels. Now, the angels have a ministry toward believers and to the church of God, those in the body of Jesus Christ. And there are many stories how the angels, these messengers, these servants of God interacted with, with people. So we'll, we're going to look at some of these true stories about angels as written in the word of God. If you've ever gone, you know, camping, sometimes, you know, you might sit around the campfire and you might begin to tell far out tales and stories of, of things that... Uh, you know, maybe UFOs or, or, or Big Feet or whatever. Uh, these angels can be just as mysterious, but they are true stories. So we'll look at some of these stories. There's the story, for example, of deliverance in Acts chapter 12. Peter, therefore, he was kept in prison. He was arrested. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And you know, God heard those prayers. And we don't know exactly, does, you know, when you're saying a prayer, you know, does God just come and listen right directly to what you're saying then and there? Or could there be an angel that carries the message or hears the message and God has given that being a special privilege to honor uh, the word of God and the prayer. But anyway, the church was praying without ceasing. They weren't giving up in prayer for him. So when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. They were guarding him carefully. He was bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. So everything was secure so that Peter uh, couldn't escape. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly, get up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto them, Cast your garment about you and follow me. 
Put your garment on. Follow me. And I suppose Peter all that time, having been awakened, the angel saying to get up quickly and, and those chains falling off of his arms, and then looking about him and seeing all these guards, you know, something, you know, supernatural was happening. Not that he didn't know or could not have guessed that the war, that uh, prayers were being answered for him. So he went out and he followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel. But he thought he saw a vision, thought it was a dream, thought he was just waking up in a dream. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that led unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. So he's going toward this gate, and this gate is open. Doesn't see anyone open it, it just opens up. Which opened to them of, its own, of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from it. He was gone. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So we know that angels are invisible beings, but they can manifest themselves in bodily form. In Numbers 22, verse 21, you know this story about Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes, the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. Uh, you know, the asses, you know, kind of like a donkey. It's got those long ears, kind of slow, maybe. And uh, I picture, don't, I hate to put this picture in your mind, but uh, I was, you know, I think about Festus. Y'all know who Festus is on Gunsmoke? I picture Festus there riding that mule, that donkey. And, you know, you got to give it a little kick to get it going and so on. Well, anyway, the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and he went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Get her back on the road, because he didn't know what was happening. He didn't see what was ahead, but this, this, his, his mountain was just going a different direction. And the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again because he didn't see what the, the ass was seeing. Now, when you read this story, you think, well, this is crazy. This is myth. This is something that, you know, is beyond our understanding. But we see how the angel interacted, that God sent a messenger, how, uh, how uh, it interacts, the angel interacts with people as need be. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place when there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. Couldn't get the horse, the, end of the mule, or the mountain to turn around. as an arrow. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was 
kindle, and he smote the ass with a staff. The, you know, the, 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 the ass just dropped to his knees. And so here he was, you know, just trying to get him back up again. <laughs> and Balaam, and the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto you that you should have smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, he starts talking to the ass, you know, like it's natural. Because you have mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I your ass upon which you have ridden ever since I was yours unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, no. So then, it was then that the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head, and he fell flat on his face. So he finally saw what the, the ass was seeing. God kept it for a while so that <laughs> to see what uh, Balaam was going to do. So they are messengers that can uh, intervene, that can uh, direct the activities and turn back uh, waywardness. In Acts chapter 8, we have another story. Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord said spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran there to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and he said, I pray you of whom speak, speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some man, some other man. So we see that as a messenger of uh, of activities, to direct activities concerning the good news, the, the truth of God, the gospel, that they can lead messengers that God has appointed um, to give comfort or to, to give direction. Like Sean was relating, you know, the story about, uh, about uh, him finding a, a person that helped him to think, kind of get his life uh, changes. So we see this. They are also messengers of comfort. You know, when things look dangerous and uncertain, God can send an angel. In Acts 27, uh, 
beginning verse 9. Now, this is a kind of an interesting story, but it, it is long, and I'll, I'll try to get through this. But Verse 9, when much time was spent, and when sailing was dangerous, now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. He said to them, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading that, and the load that they were carrying, and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So Paul was telling him, you know, we might be in danger here, we might not, and we probably need to think about this. But nevertheless, and because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart from there. And if by any means they might attain to Phoenice, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete and lies toward the southwest and northwest. And, but when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose losing, loosing there, they sailed close by Crete. And not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. Uh, I didn't look that up, but you might want to see what kind of wind that, that is, you know. There's a wind in the northwest they, that's got a name, and they call it Mariah. Way out west, there's, there's a wind they call Mariah. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirdling the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. The third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was now taken away, was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me, you should have listened to me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and this loss. Now I exhort you. They were in trouble. They were in a, in a tempestuous uh, way, in the weather. And he, he, he said to them, I exhort you, however, to be of good cheer, for there shall no loss of any man's life among you, but the ship, you know, the ship, <laughs> but not the life. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Uh, you can read the rest of that down to uh, verse uh, 44. And so it came to pass that they all escaped, all safe, to land. So we can also see how these angels are messengers sent to believers. And that these angels, these messengers, were also sent as messengers to unbelievers, as messengers of destruction. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. There came two angels to Sodom at even, 
And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. And ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, No, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to you this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brothers, brethren, do not do, do not so do wickedly. Behold now, and he, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And verse 9, and they said, stand back. And they said, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with you than with him. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Have you here any besides? And they said to Lot that, they were, that we will destroy this place because of the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So we see how the angels to the unbelievers can be messengers of destruction and there are other stories in the Bible that one can read about. What is their appearance? What is their countenance like? Matthew 28 verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. That means you know, his face was just a burning brightness uh, like snow. He was in snow white garment. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So we see how that, you know, the angels that came down, uh, you know, they rolled back the stone. How they did this, you know, I, I picture them, you know, just, just pushing the stone back. Whereas in, in, in some movies you might say, well, why didn't they just use the force? Why didn't they just, you know, with mind power, uh, think hard and then the stone to roll back? But... Uh, they did this, you know, by hand, apparently. But that doesn't lessen their power. It's a great and a mighty stone, but it was rolled back by them. And what these, these uh, guards saw was to them, the reason, you know, the reason that they had this fear was that they saw a being from another world, a face or a countenance that glowed, and it, and him being in white, uh, garments you might say well you know maybe like a, a white uh, a suit some sort 
And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not you, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. So we know that these messengers, their countenance, their appearance, very holy, very righteous. And that these messengers of God appeared to many people in both the Old and New Testament. They appeared to Abraham. They appeared to Moses. They appeared to Daniel. From Zechariah to the Virgin Mary, to the shepherds, to the women at the tomb, to Peter and the apostles, to Paul, to John, and to each of the seven churches that, you know, that were mentioned earlier in the, in the first message. So when you read the book of Zechariah, you see where the angel spoke to Zechariah. And he spoke, Zechariah spoke unto, uh, spoken to the angel. So there was listening, and there was hearing, and there was speaking, and there were questions and answers. These messengers of God have future assignments and special events that are to come. They will be reapers or harvesters at Christ's return to gather the wicked out of the world. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, a parable spoke he unto them that the kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. All these things Jesus said unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spoke he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my, open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And he says, and he sent the multitude away, went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field that he had told them. And he answered and said unto them, He that sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. In verse 41, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and which do iniquity. And he shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who has ears to hear. Let him hear. And so we see also in Revelation 20 that uh, an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand to lay hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and a great chain in his hand to lay hold of him. And he cast, and he cast, and he bound him a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal on him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be finished. So we see this great angel that is to come at that time. Psalm 8, 
we see here a very deep question that was asked by the psalmist. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set your glo thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies, and that you might still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hand, which you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air, fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The question is asked, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the smallest matters? And then he says, know you not that we shall judge angels. How much more things that pertain to this life. Now in this world, as I mentioned earlier, in this age, we must be careful of spirit beings. We must not pursue after them because there are some we know who are very bad and are false messengers bringing in false ideas. As Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, for there are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, but no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that if his ministers, if his servants, or of his uh, of his uh, uh, prophets, teachers, whatever they might be, his messengers, shall also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul uh, says that he is an apostle and that he's writing to the churches of Galatia that grace be to you and peace from God the Father and uh, from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world, evil world. But in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel unto you than that which you, we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. That's any person, that any uh, false messenger preach any other gospel, let it be accursed. So, when something doesn't sound right, we are to look to the scriptures 
to the things that are taught. In Isaiah chapter 8, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead. To the law and to the testimony, this is how you know, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Colossians chapter 2, and um, I'm trying to keep to my uh, 45 minute plan here, so I think I have about 5, 6 or 7 minutes, so I should be done by then. Colossians 2. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So don't, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize that we, that we are contending for. Because such a person, they go into great detail about what he has seen and, and his spiritual mind puffs him up with these idle notions. In Gnosticism, they suppose that, a, that there was a row of angels that stood between the material world and the uh, immaterial God and that the powerful angels were the angels that were further from the material so there were many who sought to worship these powerful angels and so they restrained themselves from sensual indulgences and they had these do's and they had these don'ts that were just mere, mere expressions of the fleshly self of voluntary worship and humility. So this Gnosticism were these ancient heresies. They stressed escape from this world through the acquisition of, of esoteric uh, knowledge. Esoteric knowledge, you know, like special knowledge and secret knowledge that uh, maybe just a few uh, possess. They know something we don't and maybe they take a, they take a oath to protect that vital knowledge. But don't let anyone uh, who delights in false humility uh, puff your mind up or disqualify you from, from the reward. Now the angels have a part in our growing up and inheriting everlasting life. Do you maybe know of any time in your life when maybe an angel may have intervened in your life? sent his help, gave you his uh, 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 safety, or maybe the safety of your loved ones. I suppose if I maybe thought about it, you know, there are times in our life when, uh, when uh, things bad could have happened but didn't. Back in, uh, when I was like 10 years old, I look back on this and think, wow, uh, that was close. Uh, we, were, we were in Arizona and had gone to... Uh, I, uh, to my sisters and her husbands and they took us up to South Mountain there in Arizona a high mountain and there you could look at the city I'll see all the lights down below and uh, you know cars traveled up on this winding road that went up there 
And so as we started back down the trail, down off the, the mountain, uh, one more look. We stopped one more look. And within a few feet of where we would have rounded this curve, a car came suddenly past this curve, hit its brakes, and stopped just short of, of this slope that went down the mountain. And I remember that. And we all thought, well, you know, that was close. An angel must have been, you know, watching over us. So there, you know, you look back and you think, well, you know, God, you did protect me. You sent your angels. You know, when we pray, we ask for, the, for him to set his mighty angels about us for protection. How God does it, there are many ways. And that's just one thing. But they have a part in our growing up, and they have a part in our inheriting of everlasting life. In chapter 12 of Luke, Luke said, he said, Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, shall be, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So we know that there are angels that know about us personally. We read in Matthew 18, verse 10, for example, it says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So little ones have angels. But what about adults? Acts chapter 2, when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations uh, uh, of the people of the Jews. So when you think about what happened to him, he knocked on the door of the gate uh, when he'd come to the house of Mary. In verse 13, he knocked at the door of the gate and a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she recognized his voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She was so happy to hear Peter's voice because she recognized it that she went ahead and ran off and told how Peter was at the gate. And they said unto her, you are mad. Because, you know, they thought Peter, you know, was done in for there in prison. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. So, you know, wasn't Peter, it was his angel. So Peter, you know, he was an adult. He had an angel. We also. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They thought Peter had been done, done in at prison. So we know that there are angels. We know that God and his son, he keeps an eye on the world, and that, they, that there are messengers that, that do his will. We've heard of mighty angels like Gabriel and Michael. We know of the angels of the, that, uh, of the seven churches that were given messages concerning the way to salvation and correction and reward. And we know that John described the throne of God, the glorious throne of God, that there were 24 seats. And upon uh, the seats were sitting 24 elders clothed in white raiment and that they had crowns of gold on their head. You can read about that you know, in Revelation chapter 4. And out of this throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices and there was a sea of glass like unto crystal and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes and behind 
And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had, the, had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts each had six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And the 24 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before him, before the throne. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. So, you know, we're very familiar with the important messages that uh, John wrote when he uh, envisioned in the book of Revelation that was given to the seven churches over in uh, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. So you can see, uh, you can read those. I'll go ahead and skip a few more scriptures and close with uh, this. Uh, we read earlier in Hebrews 1, verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Are not all ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And again, I want to close with Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. Let brotherly love continue. So, you know, owe no man nothing but the love of Jesus Christ. And, verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained strangers unawares.